2: From a network of top secret, highly secure locations across South Texas, this is the Spurs Insider Podcast. I am your host, Mike Finger, joined by Express News, Spurs beat writers, Tom Orsborn and Jeff McDonald, along with Express News sports editor, Nick Talbot. Um, We are recording this after the, the conclusion of a road trip that went against the expectations of the podcast uh, that was followed by the final game of the road trip, which was the first game at home against the New York Knicks um, that basically looked like a team at the end of a road trip. Um, But we can get right into kind of the the ways that the local Cagers defied expectations over the past week, starting with some pretty decent games on the West Coast, Jeff McDonald
3: you want to start with the positivity today? Yeah. Why not? Are are, are we wrapping up up. already? We just started. (laughs) Um, Um, yeah. You were on the trip. um, What did you see? Um, I think uh, if I'm not mistaken and maybe we were, we were sandbagging a little, but when we, when we convened to talk about the trip beforehand, I think all of us predicted an over three trip and, uh, the local cagers, the local cagers, I guess we didn't really realize at the time exactly the disarray the Portland Trail Blazers win. were in, but the little cagers just annihilated the Blazers and then turned around and beat Steph Curry and company at, at home at the center um, and played pretty well in Phoenix. Lost the game, but played pretty well. Um, I think if you had gone to that trip and said they're going to go 2-1, and one, I think you would have taken that in a in a New York minute. So. Um, you know, good trip, uh, they're kind of learning to play on the road, learning to win on the road. The golden state game, uh, was another one, um, like, like the Boston game where they had a big lead, blew a big lead. And then they were the team that made the plays the plays down the stretch to, um, you know, seal the game. And the difference here is that, um, this one was on the road. Like they went into a pretty hostile environment there in San Francisco. Uh, had had the crowd working against them, pulled out a game in the final minutes. Um, you know that that they might. I don't think they win that game in October. I think I think if you're looking for signs of growth in this team, those kind of late game moments where they're actually um, getting some stuff accomplished um, is a sign of how far they've come since the beginning of the season.
2: They got the GM in Portland fired right before that, which I thought was interesting. Like that—that's how badly they beat them. Um, and I realized that's sort of. Uh, unrelated to it, but that's <laughs> that, that was amusing that the, the Blazers really are in disarray in a lot of different ways. And it's sort of, I don't, I don't know if this is the right tangent to go on right now, but the Blazers are just an example of how you can just have everything fall apart yeah. <laughs> in, in the NBA, um, even when you think you've got the right pieces. I mean, you're building around Damian Lillard, which seems like a pretty good idea. Um, and, and just a few bad decisions and that Portland, the issues there are more complex than just a couple of bad decisions. I mean, there was some kind of internal dysfunction, uh, to put it mildly that, that led to all this, but I mean, the championship windows, and I'm not even sure Portland's was ever all the way open, but they're, they're so fleeting in the NBA. And I, I know listeners get tired of hearing this, but it's just another example of how good the Spurs had it for so long to be able to to compete for championships as long as they did during the Duncan era when so many things have to go right. And and the Blazers seem to to be in a good position. And now it's just kind of a nightmare for them. So um, uh, yeah, I don't know where I was going there, but <laughs> big picture wise for the Spurs if we're talking about Blazers big picture, um, where do do you see this rebuilding season um, so far for this team? Are are they getting what they wanted out of 2021-22?
1: Yeah, I I think that's a good point, Mike, that, yeah, it underscores the need for patience, you know, and that this is is reality for this franchise. And, you know, it, it was a long time coming, and that's something to be grateful for. But fans are fans, and they want it now. And, and you know, you see progress, as Jeff said, winning on the road, taking care of a Portland team that was down, and then, you know, beating a Golden State team that was coming off the big win over Phoenix, although, I, although that might have worked against the, the Warriors. But still, you know, as Pop said last night, after the Knicks game, he's, I forget what he said, happy as hell, or he's seen great progress, or... You know he's just he's just pleased with what's going on with their effort and uh, you know uh, making these markers these achievements here and there.
3: I mean, if you're talking big picture, you know, building for the Spurs like beyond this season, I mean, you're still at the point who who's your superstar going to be? Who's your next superstar going to be? Because you, in order to get back to the playoffs, you got to have a star. And maybe it's Dejounte Murray. Maybe that's something we're learning that he maybe he does have that that ceiling in them. But if it's not DeJounte, where are they going to get that that uh, star from? I think you've seen a lot of good um, development from guys that would be uh, really top-notch rotation players, role players on a team going forward. Who's the next, who's the next star is kind of the, the position the Spurs are in. Do you get that guy from the draft? Probably. Is he a guy that's already on your roster? Maybe. Um, so I think that's sort of the, the next, next kind of big picture step. You're looking at And like I said, maybe it's DeJounte. He showed us a lot this year already, um, you know, a lot of a lot of growth. And he, he's a guy that if he was playing this well on a team that was, you know, firmly in the playoff hunt, I think we'd be talking about this guy as a, as a potential all-star.
2: I'm going to quibble a little bit with the semantics. Okay. Um, even though I think we're sort of on the same page here. I don't think – I think you mentioned something about you need a superstar to make the playoffs. I don't think that's true because I don't think there's 16 – superstars in the league. All right. Well, it depends um, on
3: your suit. Yeah. A, between a star. Like, I, like, I, like I, Memphis is mean, not getting there. Memphis is not get there without John ja Morant. Like you need that kind of guy, at least to make the playoffs. I, like, I, I, like, again, show, like, show me I, a playoff I, team that doesn't have a guy that is, uh, you know, a star.
2: Well, I, I think that, again, we're getting in, into some – gray areas here about what constitutes a superstar or what doesn't and whether we're t- like the long-term. I don't think the goal for this franchise is to get back to the playoffs. I think it's something higher than that. And I think that the team as constructed um, your, your San Antonio Spurs, you keep this group together for a while and it's probably a playoff team, even without DeJounte Murray becoming a quote unquote star. But I think I think we're on the same page here. If if they want to be a contender, contending for the Western Conference for for top seeds there, for NBA titles, that's where you really need either Dejounte Murray to become a, a true star, a true superstar, or or to find somebody else. And like Dejounte is playing really well. Um, this is when you're talking about percentile expectations of like what you hoped he would be when you drafted him, this is like, he's reaching the 90th, maybe 95th percentile of what you thought that guy could be when he was the 20, whatever pick he was in that draft. Um, but that next step to John Morant to leading a, a contending playoff team, that's a pretty big one. And and he might not ever make it. And that's not a failure if he doesn't. Um, but I, I would just say right now, we're, we're kind of talking about different questions. Do, do the San Antonio Spurs right now have a future superstar like a slam dunk all star, all NBA top player? I'm not sure that they no, do. No, okay. no, no. They do <laughs>
1: um, um, But if you if you go, but, down but I think. Next, go ahead, Tom. Well, if you go down to the next level, we're talking. We've been talking two different things: superstar and star. Yeah, Jante has the. You know, he's a, he's a rising star, I think, Uh, but superstar. No.
3: Yeah. 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 He's not going to be, he's not going to be Kawhi or Durant or LeBron. Okay. Let me, let me change this. I don't think anybody was really, really um, insinuating that, but um, you know, he. uh, But I mean, there's, there's different levels to
2: that too. There's, there's Devin Booker's there's Donovan Mitchell's there's, there's players like that, that aren't Kevin Durant and LeBron, but are, Kind of the lead dog on the uh, on on good teams, um, and maybe maybe Dejounte can become that, but I'm, yes. I'm not sure. I guess the a better question to ask the group would be, um, with the way the younger players, really all the players, other than like that young, <laughs> are young players on this team, um, with the way that they're developing this year, if you bring everybody back, you keep the band together, re-sign the younger guys, and we can talk more about like Lonnie Walker later. Um, And just keep adding similar players over the next couple of years. Like my contention is it's probably a playoff team at some point. It's probably a a six, seven, eight seed level team. Um, Would you guys dispute that? Like in a couple of years, you keep bringing DeJounte Murray and Kelvin Johnson and Derek White and Devin Vassell back add similar type players without really hitting the home run uh, lottery pick superstar um, in the draft. Like, does that seem like a realistic future for this team just to be kind of what the Portland Trailblazers have been over the past several <laughs> yeah. years? Um, is yeah. that something that you see as as, as feasible?
1: Yes. Yes, absolutely. And, and I think DeJounte is going to continue to get better and better and better and maybe reach that close to that star level that you defined, you know, of a Booker, Mitchell. I think he has yeah. that potential.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, the answer is yes, but it also depends on what the West does um, kind of see a shift in the NBA this time in the NBA for the first time where the, the East is kind of stronger, which is shocking. Um, if it stays the way it is right now, then yes. If it's loaded like it was two or three years ago, maybe they're, maybe maybe they're you know the team that's almost there. You know the nine ten guy. Um, it also depends on growth of Dejounte Murray. If he's going to be that All Star, and you really want to see a second guy kind of up to that level, is that is that going to be Devin Vassell? Is that going to be a kid that looked pretty good for eighteen this week? Um, Josh Primo.
3: You know, primo, <laughs> yeah, primo, pre, primo. we can do the
0: Primo chance. Looks pretty good this week for for an eighteen year old kid. I mean, that's I, thought, you know, in the limited minutes he gets, he looks pretty good. I'm sure Spurs fans are probably more excited than they should be, but that's just the way fandom works. But he looked pretty good, and it really depends on who that second or third option kind of depend grows to be. I think on whether or not they're a contender like the Blazers were, or, or you know. We're never the one or two. There were always the, you know, four through six before this complete and utter fall apart that's happening for them right now. And the Spurs can be that, I, I, but I do think one of these guys kind of needs to join DeJounte on that level where you're not a 10-time all-star, but you might be a two- to three-time all-star. <laughs> two, I, two-
2: to three-time three all-star. Pretty, pretty lofty. Like, I'm not sure DeJounte Murray ever makes the team. And no right. that, this is, this I mean, is I mean, this true,
0: what... He- I mean, we're, talk, we're, we're talking about the span of ten years I I can tell you, right.
2: I can, I can go on the record right now. This team does not have two, two to three time all stars, all stars on it. It might not have one, but on the roster right now, there are Mm. not two,
3: two players that are going to make two all-star teams. That's just Mm. because Jock Landell's in uh, the G league.
0: And that could be two. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, Mm.
2: Basically it's, it's a, just a, they're doing kind of what they have to do. And I don't, you're not going to make the blockbuster trade um, because no small market team does that anymore. You cannot, it's a version of free agency. You don't trade for the the superstar um, who doesn't want to be there. And the superstars that we've seen time and time again are going to the flocking to the major markets. So you kind of just have to collect the assets like they've been doing. And, you know, you didn't mention Kelvin Johnson earlier. You know, he can be, I think there's more to him. Um, he can take that next step. I don't think he ever, I, I might be overly negative here, but I don't think he becomes a two to three time all-star. Like there's a lot left for him, but that's a high bar. Like there's only so many all-star spots and uh, it's just tough to make it. DeJounte Murray's averaging almost a triple double. I'm not sure he makes the all-star team this year.
0: So um, I think. Yeah, I wasn't arguing that he'd make it this year. I am just arguing okay. that he might make one because injuries happen it- and guys get put on the team. It's, it's
2: it's hard to do. Like Devin Booker took forever to make one.
0: Yeah, um, I mean, I mean, even look at Dame. I mean, I mean, and then he's a six time, and you think he could even be on several of those teams. Or look at Demar. Demar's spike, you know, at that level where he should have made more teams because he's that good. He's certainly worthy this year before his before the uh, entering the protocols. But
1: I think Dejounte Murray makes an All Star team. I, I do, uh, especially if they get better. You know, with these. With what we're seeing from him now, if they if they do improve and if they're a winning team, I I think he can make it. Not a lock, yeah, but but I think it's the potentials there. That's the, I mean he's having a, he's having a really good year, really good year.
0: Winning he helps.
2: The when he um, really helps. In Phoenix, the feeling was that everything was finally coming together. I think uh, Spurs coach Greg Popovich mentioned this and that all the starting. Guys were back healthy again. They were finally developing some kind of rhythm, and then in the New York game, back in the friendly confines of the AT&T Center, uh, Kelvin Johnson steps on Jakob Purtle's foot. I, despite reports that it was Drew Eubanks, <laughs> it was Jakob Purtle's foot. I will not
3: stand I, for the Eubanks Eubanks
1: libel. I screwed I, that up. I I I miss. you apologize the to foot? the public? I did. I, I apologize. I apologize to the public. I apologize to, to you, Mike Finger. Uh-huh. And uh, I, I was wrong. It was it was uh, Jakob Hurdle's tugboat size shoe that he stepped on. <laughs> and if I'm not mistaken, I think that um, Derek White stepped on Jakob's foot yep. also. Yep. And uh, sidelined him for 12
3: games. Correct, Jeff? I don't know Last the exact year? number of games, but yeah, that was yeah. that was Jakob's handiwork, too.
1: So it's a danger zone in there with with uh, with Jacob's uh, uh, destroyer-sized shoes, I should say.
3: The Austrian
2: ankle breaker. Yeah, I just want to point out that the the San Antonio Express News, the the organization that uh, Tom Warisbon represents, has been in business for more than a century, like dating back to the eighteen hundreds. Um, yeah, post Civil War. That time- yeah, so okay. you, was you, that pub first you- year? You can get it was it was early in Pop's reign. Um, you can get uh, all the Express News stuff at expressnews.com. Become a subscriber. There's there's Black Friday deals. I think still available. Maybe, maybe they just expire, but you can always get a good deal. Sign up for the Spurs Nation newsletter. All that. But anyway, this organization has spent more than a century building up credibility and trust with our readers, with the people of South Texas, with the people of the whole country. And I just thought it was a bit disappointing for Tom Warsborn to it, recklessly tweet that, like violate all of that by recklessly tweeting that Kelvin Johnson stepped on you drew you bank's foot. It was, like, it was so disappointing to me.
1: It was a sleepless night, Mike. Uh-huh. It, it was. and and I had to listen to several self self-help type podcasts from our <laughs> podcast colleague to get through that night. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, eventually you'll, you'll, you'll
3: win everybody back, Tom. Like it's going to take time after a mistake like that. Oh, that was, that was our Dewey uh, defeats Truman moment. I think. Yeah. (laughs) yeah. (laughs) I
1: could. Oh man. Yeah. Yeah.
3: I want to, I want (laughs) to
2: invite the listeners to, to hear a little bit about what goes on behind the scenes at Spurs games, because it really was a fantastic moment. We were, uh, we were in a little room next to the Spurs locker room last night. They bring in a stoic Jakob Purtle after a, a tough loss to the Knicks, and um, you know nobody nobody's happy after losing. And, and but he 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 sits through the question, takes them. I I ask him about uh, Kelton Johnson stepping on his foot and injuring it, and and Jakob said, you know, I didn't even realize that he stepped on it. I just heard him screaming behind me, and you know, he's very concerned about Kelton, what have you, and. So we go next door to the after, after the interviews are over to go put into the media workroom. And, and Tom very seriously comes up to me and says, Mike, I, I didn't want to mention anything to you. But Jakob uh, actually stepped on Drew Eubanks. But...
3: <laughs> well, now so, you're messing the, up the story. The word actually was never there. It was but... Kelden. Kelden stepped on someone. Keldon stepped on Drew Eubanks. But... Oh, <laughs> oh, that but, worm has turned. But no, I,
2: Tom, I Tom thought he was going to correct me when, in fact, he was the one
1: who was I hoisted apologize. on his own patard. i apologize yep. mike and uh we go way back and uh you've always made me a better reporter oh yes, a better colleague and a better man and, and <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I, appre- I appreciate it and i, I do apologize i, I think I was laying it on thick yeah i soiled all of our <laughs> reputations, and I apologize.
3: Well, don't I apologize we to o-
1: me. Apologize to Drew Eubanks.
2: I think we can overcome it, um, Drew Eubanks. I guess if if we want to get into like rotation stuff, oh, which boy. can be can be highly overrated, especially on a on a team like this. I mean, what are we really arguing about? Um, I I think that first of all. Everything's been fine. Like I have no major quibbles with anything, but like I, I'd also be fine with uh, moving in a uh, new direction. Like we don't need to see Drew Eubanks every night. We don't need to see him twenty minutes a night. Um, like sure, more Thad Young would be fine. More whoever would be fine. Like
3: well, on the road the, trip. On the road trip. Long story short, that, of yeah. my
2: opinion on this is I'm not outraged about anything.
3: Right, maybe. Oh, yeah. but just just to, to for the record, so everyone will hear uh-huh. it on the road trip, Thad Young replaced Drew Eubanks as 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 the backup center. He was uh-huh. the first big off the bench in all those games, and we didn't ask it last night. It kind of got lost in the shuffle, and I don't think we any of us really care that much. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if the reason it was Eubanks over Thad last night was just second night of a back to back, and yeah. Thad's your oldest yeah. player, and Pop Pastor has a history of of not going to those guys. But Drew Drew was not used much on this road trip. So, you know, it seemed like they were going in that direction and may still be going in that direction. Um, but we'll see when the schedule gets a little, you know, lighter here.
2: It's been no secret that, I um, mean, that Thad has mentioned it going back a month um, to us in interviews about how, you know, the unfortunate situation that he's been in. He's been very positive, as we've mentioned on the podcast a lot. But he's also meant no words about the fact that you know, this isn't the this isn't what he expected when he came here. I think he's mentioned that um, lots of times over the past month or so. Um, I still think that he's traded. Yeah, sooner sooner than 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 the trade deadline for sure. I, I, like I'm not sure it's going to happen this week, but that's still kind of the position at the Spurs and I don't think that's changed at all. Um, that they they're going to move that guy. They've intended that since they made the trade for DeRozan. Or, or trade of DeRozan for that Young and uh, the rest of that package. And, uh, you know, I guess there's a difference in, uh, in in theory, whether you play the guy that you want to trade or you keep him healthy to avoid having him tear an ACL or whatever and then get mm. nothing for him. But I, I think they're just kind of playing it right down the middle there. Yeah. I would not be surprised at all for him to end up being a Phoenix Sun or uh, yeah any 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 other team that that could use a guy like him.
3: And not to not to belabor the point, but I just I used the uh, Google to look it up. But on this past road trip, uh, Drew Eubanks played four minutes in Portland, was DNP at Golden State, eight minutes against Phoenix, and in fact yeah, I, yeah. The, the game against New York, he played 15 minutes on the second night of a back to back. It was his first uh, outing playing double digit minutes. Since November twenty second, when the Spurs lost at home to Phoenix, so he's really kind of, kind of worked slid down the down the depth chart a little bit here over the last couple of weeks, um, and it's been more of a Thad Young uh, show. Just for the record, so we all know what we're talking about. And with the way that the the uh, injuries have been sort of piling up
2: um, here and there with this team over the past several weeks, like I can't think of uh, they're they're basically playing who they need to play. Yeah, Um, Jack Wyndale's going back to the G League. And I think you pointed this out. That's probably a good move that could have happened sooner um, just to give him some playing time. Um,
3: Well, you know, I I was thinking of what what made me think of that was listening to Josh Primo talk about what it was like (laughs) for him. You know, Josh had a really good game in Phoenix. Um, Didn't score a lot. Only took two shots. But he defensively, he looked like he knew what he was doing and where he was supposed to be. And what the rotations were supposed to look like and places where he could gamble for a steal or places where he could be in the right place to make a block. And he wasn't really doing that when in his earlier appearances. And when you talk to Josh, it was because he's saying, yeah, I had no idea about the scheme at all when I got here. I just got off the plane, basically. And you go down to the G League and they and, and play and practice with those guys every day like you're not getting to play in practice at the NBA. And they're teaching you the Spurs system and the Spurs terminology Mm -hmm. and the Spurs scheme. And so when I came back up here, this is Primo talking, and I'm paraphrasing a lot. When I came back up here, I had just a better idea of what I was doing and more confidence and was able to make just more confident decisions, more confident judgments. And and so I started to think, like, why isn't Jock Landale down there? Because his big deal is he missed all of his first NBA training camp, basically, with uh, a concussion, and then he missed a huge chunk uh, of time in the at the early part of the season, where they they actually had some practice time when he was in health and safety protocols. And as all of us know, NBA teams when they get to this point in the season and beyond barely practice. So there's yeah. no catch-up time for a guy like that who just showed up, doesn't really know the scheme, doesn't know the terminology really well. Is basically just watching uh, from the sidelines. There's not a lot of catch-up time if you if a rookie is going to miss training camp and a lot of time early. So I wondered why why is he in Austin learning this stuff like Primo did? And I, you know, apparently that you know Brian Wright and those guys can read my mind telepathically, <laughs> and and made that call today. So I think it'll be a good move for him. I think it's a, actually a closer step towards him getting on the floor in the NBA than a step away from it. If that makes sense. Absolutely. And uh, on the Primo thing,
2: uh, talking to Pop before the the New York New York game about sort of the plan for him. He made it pretty clear that um, Austin's still a big part of his future, and this was before Kelvin got hurt. Um, it, it, it seemed before the the next game that the minutes were sort of going to start drying up for for Primo. Like the the minutes that were necessary that he that they needed him to play weren't going to be there like they were uh, when he did play to, to sub in for Devin Vassell or or whoever. So Pop. Basically said, yeah, we we like the minutes that he gets with the uh, with the Spurs, but the the plan is definitely for him to go back and continue working uh, the same way that Dejounte Murray and Derek White and Lonnie Walker and uh, you know name name the whole list did over the years, and um, you know that that might change a little bit if the injuries linger for a while, but um, I, I would expect that he he'd continue to split time at least until the G League season ends and then be ready for a, a strong finish.
3: Yeah, I think he'll be in the G League for uh, mostly for as as long as that season is going on. People don't realize it ends in February. There's still like 2 months of NBA season left after that. And so I think the really the the real accurate analog might be Keldon Johnson who spent a lot of time in the, in the G League his rookie year, but as soon as that ended, we saw him getting minutes up with the Spurs, you know, starting about that rodeo trip that rookie season. Then of course, COVID happened and Keldon broke out in the bubble. But the the plan, the plan for Keldon back then was get through the G league season. If you perform well there, then we're going to give you minutes in the final couple months of the season at the NBA level. And I I would be, I I think Primo could probably um, follow the same sort of path. I think we will see um, a a lot of Primo games near the end of the season. That's just me guessing, but it seems logical to me.
2: That's another reason why, um, I think there's a, a bit of a danger in overreacting to not only results early in the season, but the way minutes are distributed all up and down the line. Because I, I, this team's going to look a lot different after the All-Star break than it does now. Uh, Thad Young will be gone. Zach Collins might finally be available. Although, considering his history, I never take anything for granted. Um, Jock Landale could be ready to play. Josh Primo could be ready to play. Could be a completely different look. Um, And this is something obviously that we'll monitor as the season progresses. But by the time we get to the end of the season, I I wonder where the young man who we all like and enjoy and uh, have great promise for great, great expectations of Lonnie Walker, the fourth is going to fit in. Um, and that might be one of the bigger questions for the second half of the season. And I'm not sure I have even a good guess right now. I, I have no clue. After watching him for however many years he's been around, we're still kind of waiting to figure out what he is. Do you guys know what he is yet?
3: No, I don't think the Spurs do either. I mean, I think one minute he looks like a guy who can really help you and sometimes can just change a game for you. And then within the same game, he looks like a guy that – you, you might not be able to play for a while, so I yep. you know I, he's, he's just the most con, one of the most confounding players that that I've seen in his first uniform. To be honest with you, I love watching him play when he's getting up and down. I just he has those games where he floats a little. I guess I'd, I guess that's the word. It's not Andrew Wiggins floating. It's not like
2: disinterest. Like remember yeah, when right, Andrew right, Wiggins right, right. was in in Mil- uh, Minnesota and you just catch him kind of idling i mean not right, not right, wanting right. to be involved whatever it's sometimes like Lonnie's he, problem is the is the other he way gets lost in his own head i think i think yeah. he's overthinking it um,
0: yeah and he's admitted yeah, and, as and,
1: such
2: and yeah, that's yeah. what
0: i was going to say is that i don't think lonnie knows who he is yet that thing just watching him on the court it doesn't seem like game to game he is completely 100 sure of who he's supposed to be out there still it's a it's a big year for him and
2: that might add to it too. He's—he's. Um, he's, I think he's mentioned earlier this season that, you know, he's sort of trying to control what he can control, and blah blah blah, all the old cliches. But um, you know, the—he the, the, did not get extended last offseason, as our listeners know. And next next summer, he's going to have opportunities to play elsewhere. they will be a restricted free agent, and you know, I'm not sure if he's. Proven yet that the Spurs absolutely have to have him back. I'm not sure if he's proven yet that somebody else has to offer him a big deal to take him away. So he, he's really got a lot riding on these
3: next, you know, who was, four who, or was so. re- who was really candid talking about Lonnie was uh, after the Golden State game was was Dejounte Murray. Mm-hmm. Um, Lonnie had that great game at Golden State, which led me to... It was almost, I, I even prefaced it, preface to the question, which I know this is a dumb question, but, but I asked a lot of his teammates, like, why can't you get that Lonnie Walker every night or almost every night or more than once every five nights? And DeJounte said it's all in his head. And that's a direct quote from DeJounte. It's 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 in his head. It's in his head. Yeah. Like, yeah. He, he's got that talent. Um, he's just got to believe that he has that talent. And, you know, if you, if you watch... Walker plays. Sometimes you can see what Dejounte's talking about. He's a really cerebral. Yeah, yeah.
2: sorry to interrupt you there, Tom. That's right. That almost that almost uh, can work against you in a way if 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 you're thinking about everything and if you're overanalyzing and you're not just letting the game come to you. All this sounds like century-old coach speak. Yeah, century-old coach speak for a reason. (laughs) Like sometimes people overthink things.
1: Well, he turns ahead, he turns twenty three on December fourteenth. That's the Man, other thing; build. he's still so uh, young. One one year in college, uh, uh-huh. you know. To be fair, you add that you add that up, and then what we know about his his demeanor, his makeup, what you guys have just talked about is maybe sensitivity is the right word. I don't know, uh, but yeah, but it just it just adds up to a guy that maybe. I don't know if the Spurs are going to have it, but maybe you just need a little more patience with him.
3: Yeah, yeah, the age thing is a big deal. Like it seems like he's been around a long time, and he has. This is his fourth year. Yeah. But when you're drafting yeah, but these, it's, the Spurs for a long time weren't drafting guys this young, so you it, you forget that a guy, you know, Tim Duncan was 25 when he was here yeah. for four years, and then you throw in
1: the one year, just one year of college. Yeah. You know?
3: you forget the lot. He's been here four years, but he's only 22 years old. Like there's a lot of growth that can happen between 22 and 25 and 25 and 27. It's just, and who's, to who's cool. going to, who's he going to make that? Who's going to, who's going to pay for that growth? Who's, who's, going, to, who's going to, who's going to, like who's that growth is going to be on what team's dime. And to be 40, clear, nobody's giving up on him. Right, um, the Spurs right. are still playing. This isn't a,
2: you know, if you want to go back to previous years about guys who, people said should have played more. Luka Samanich um, was one of those guys. Why aren't they playing Luka more? Well, he was a guy that they just realized couldn't play and, and did not. they did not believe in him ever, not necessarily because it was his fault, just because it, it just that, that promise wasn't there. If they didn't think that Lonnie Walker had promise, if they didn't still have hopes that he can become a part of their future, they wouldn't be playing him now. Because you want to somebody else, they want to see him succeed, and they're going to give him opportunities to break out and take that step and make that jump over these next four months. Like Tom says, that'll that'll he'll still be twenty three at the end of this. But the the business of the MBA is next summer you have to make a decision on him, and they they're going to be watching these these four months really closely to get as much information as they can, and you want to make the right decision where even if he hasn't proven that he's a starter yet, that I he's see where this is going. A, a huge piece yet. No, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not even building there. I'm, I'm just saying, you know, it's going to be a tough choice for them. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not, I, I guess
3: the reason, you know, the, the, cold, reason, the cold business
2: of the NBA is they have to put a dollar amount on it yeah. and say, we're, we're willing to pay him this amount. If somebody else offers him more, we're not willing to go there. And The reason they don't done com- that with like the a Jonathan you- Simmons and been right, yeah, <laughs> Gary Neal, the, whoever. The reason
3: you don't, the reason you don't just completely write him off is because you'll sit there and he'll have a game where he's on the road against the team leading the entire Western Conference and the entire NBA actually, and he's just he's making them look silly. He's getting to the rim with ease, just layup after layup after layup, couple of three pointers. Yeah. Um, so he has those moments every now and then where you just don't want to completely give up on the promise until, you know, it's sort of um, put up or shut up time where you have to make a decision one way or another. So that it will be a tough decision. this, this off
1: Real quick. And I know we're running out of time, but real quick at, at my highly insecure location, uh-huh. shout out to summer moon coffee. Um,
3: <laughs> Everywhere uh, I'm at uh, is an insecure location. Go,
1: going from, from the, the youngsters like Primo and Lonnie to, to the, a more mature uh, fellow um, Our, our colleague Mike Monroe came by <laughs> my highly insecure location. We had a nice chat and he said to tell all of you guys, hello, happy mm-hmm. holidays and uh, look me up. So that's from Mike Monroe.
2: Well, that's, that's, that's a great thing. I saw Mike Monroe a couple of weeks ago, still doing great. And I think that's a, that's a fitting way to, to bring those <laughs> like, to a close. I every, have, every, no, time I'm, I have, every
3: time I'm driving on the highway and I see a silver alert, silver alert, I give them a call just to see what's up. It reminds is, me I need to call my old buddy, Mikey. That is abusive. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, it's,
2: it's, it's good to remember who came before us. Mike, Mike Monroe <laughs> paved the way. He never was part of this podcast, but he paved the way for this podcast much in the same way that Tim Duncan paved the way for young Josh Primo, we can only hope to live up to the legacy of Mike Monroe, like Josh Primo can only hope to live up, live up to the legacy of Tim Duncan, but we will use them mm, as stretch. light posts, as beacons to guide our way, to respect the past while looking forward. And that's what I ask of all of you out there in podcast land to take care of each other and
0: to keep it real.